Acts chapter 6, uh, continuing on. We'll see how long my voice holds out. The choosing of the seven. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, those were the, the Jews that were uh, Greek, I guess, um, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews, the Hebrew Jews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. There's something, you know, that stands out to me here again is um, the part on obedience and having the spirit. So that is, if someone has the spirit, they're going to be obedient to God's commands. Um, that's evidence of having the spirit and among other things. But it's interesting too that, you know, it, it takes, you know, everybody does have a role within, um, as you hear in scripture or through church circles, the body of Christ, which means the church, which is the, all the members of the church, everybody has a different role and everybody that contributes helps in some way. Because if the apostles the 12 disciples had to take care of the food, you know, giving, you know, giving out food and waiting on tables like they said, they wouldn't be able to go and spread the word of God. So they needed more people to help. And that's the way it is today. Not everybody is going to have the same role within promoting God's kingdom. And it takes many people to do and God gives gifts to certain people and puts desires in people's hearts that they serve in a certain way. And that's the way the things that people are very um, passionate about are the ways I believe that God uses people. When people are passionate about it and God makes them do whatever it is well, then that's the place where people are supposed to be doing what God wants them to do. Going back to scripture. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedom, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandra, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against the wisdom of 
the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stops talking, never stops speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses has handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So the, <clears throat> here's another thing, another thing that God hates. God hates those who bear false witness, those who lie. God hates lying. And of course, think about this. Stephen, they said in the beginning that he was chosen, you know, he was a man that was full of spirit and the wisdom. He was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. So this man who's full of faith in the Holy Spirit was assigned to do things. And then of course, the enemy God's enemy, you know, we're in a spiritual world. We don't see it until we learn about it in the Bible, and then we start seeing it in the world because there's basically God and those against God. There's like just two, and it's either evil or good, and God is the only one who's good. So God's spirit is brings goodness, but Anything that opposes God's spirit is purely evil. And Paul tells us that, you know, we are not against what he says, flesh and blood. It's not our wars, our battles are not against individuals and against people, but it's, it's because of the, the spiritual principalities. I mean, it, you know, there's, there's apparently spiritual territory that is given by God for a period of time. And those territories have spiritual influence on the inhabitants that are there. And the, the ones who are not surrendered to the one true God, they are influenced by the enemy and the enemy seeks to kill and destroy. So when you read the Bible and you understand that all the spiritual stuff is what is causing what happens in the world today, it makes it pretty understandable. I mean, it's not surprising what's happening. We have a war going on between good and evil. It's the rebellious that don't want to, don't want to repent, basically, don't want to surrender to God, to surrender to God's authority, um, ones who want to resist this, and they're going to keep fighting it until the end, until until Judgment Day, there's going to be a, a battle of some sort. Actually, there's a little pause in it when Jesus returns to rule as king, but up until Jesus returns, there's going to be continuous battles, and it is a continuous battle between good and evil. And I'm, I don't know about you, but ever since 2020, that actually became very apparent 
that we have that we're in a battle between good and evil. That um, I had read the Bible in 2019, so my eyes were opened at that point, and it's so true. So um, we can move on to this is a short one so far, but um, we can move on to chapter seven, which is a little longer. Then the high priest asked Stephen, "Are these charges true?" To this he replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to the land where you are now living. He gave him no inheritance here, not even enough ground to set his foot on, but God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land. Even though at that time Abraham had no child, God spoke to him in this way, For 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, God said, and afterward they will come out of that country and worship me in this place. Then he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision, and Abraham became the father of Isaac and circumcised him eight days after his birth. Later, Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they, his, their brother, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and over all his palace. Then famine struck all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great suffering, and our ancestors could not find food. When Jacob heard there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our forefathers on their first visit. On their second visit, Joseph told his brothers who he was, and Pharaoh learned about Joseph's family. After this, Joseph sent for his father Jacob and his whole family, 75 in all. Then Jacob went down to Egypt, where he and our ancestors died. Their bodies were brought back to Shechem and placed in the tomb that Abraham had bought from the sons of Hamor at Shechem for a certain sum of money. As this time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had greatly increased. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, 
Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw some of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight, and he went over to get a closer look. He heard the Lord say, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. When the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. He was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and reveled in what their own hands had made. But God turned away from them and gave them over to the worship of the sun, moon, and stars. This agrees with what is written in the book of the prophets. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have taken up the tabernacle of Molech and the star of your God, Rephan, the idols you made to worship. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. 
it had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had seen. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for God, for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through the angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. So there's so much in here. That was just like the greatest summary of a majority of the Bible that Stephen gave. And there's so much here. Um, First of all, uh, gosh, first of all, there's just so much here in what was said. But some of the things I underlined was when he was saying, you're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say we needed to do? We needed to be born again, born of the water and born of the Spirit. So some may have had repentance, but if they didn't receive the Holy Spirit, they were resisting the Holy Spirit. We need to be born of the Spirit. If someone has, now remember this is a spiritual war, and it's a war between good and evil. The good would be the Holy Spirit, and evil would be an evil spirit. And and unless we choose to repent and turn away from evil or sin, unless we do that, we, we don't receive the Holy Spirit. So we are still under the bondage or the slavery of evil. We are still under that spiritual 
influence of evil. And you can see this happening in the stoning of Stephen because they see that he's filled with the Spirit. So just seeing that, if these are religious people, they should see that and recognize that. But they aren't. Even though they appear to be religious people, they don't have the Holy Spirit. We still see that today. And what are they acting under? They're acting of under the evil spirit. Because who would seek to kill and destroy but someone who is under control of evil? The evil spiritual realm. So these people stone Stephen. If they had God's spirit, if they had the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't have done that. But they were under the influence of God's enemy, of the rebellion. They were under the influence of the evil spirit and therefore acted under what they were believing, what they were under, the the control they were under. And Stephen was, as he said, wise. And so he prays, don't hold the sin against them. He's seeing this is a spiritual thing. He's seeing these people are just pawns by evil. They aren't, you know, they are just being influenced. Their eyes haven't been opened. And so he's praying for them. He's already saved. He already has the spirit. He is seeing God. And then again, it says he fell asleep. Now, the other thing that is, um, it said the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Later, we find out that this Saul that they laid their coats at and the Saul who approved of their killing is actually Paul later on. God gives him a new name and calls him Paul, but he was the Saul who was persecuting Christians and witnessed the stoning of Stephen. He was a young man at this time. So that's something interesting that, you know, someone who contributed to a good chunk of the Bible was witnessing and watching these people stone Stephen, who is full of the Holy Spirit. Shows you what God can do with a person. So someone who's standing there and approving of Stephen's killing later becomes an instrument to God, someone that God uses to do his will, to encourage other people to believe, to spread the good news. God uses someone. He takes someone who was killing or approving of killing people and then turns them into somebody who's gaining people for the kingdom of God. That just shows you God's will prevails and God can use anyone and anyone can be changed. It's a willingness within us if we accept God's calling, if we accept God when he multiple times reaches out to all of us through different people. But sometimes we're so enslaved by the sin that we're in and we love our sinful lives so much that we resist the spirit, just like these Jewish people did that Stephen was talking about. You're just like your ancestors. You resist the spirit. It requires us to surrender. And, you know, there's a lot of people who don't want to surrender. For what reason? I don't know. Because God is love. And why would anyone have fear to surrender 
to a God of love. God forgives. It's apparent here. I mean, God forgave Saul and actually used Saul to promote his kingdom. So God can do anything. If someone is repentant, God can use that person. And if they're truly repentant and they start obeying God and want to obey God, God knows what's in their heart. God knows what's in their intentions. And God, the Holy Spirit, will be received through Jesus from God, the Father. And that's, that's how people receive the Holy Spirit. It's through Jesus. But it's when God knows what our inner self is like. It's what the condition of our thoughts, our mind, our intentions. When God knows all that and he knows that we are repentant, then Jesus will give us the Holy Spirit. That's his to give. And he will give it to whomever he wants, despite what they've done in their life. So it's so important to understand this. And so many churches don't talk about the spiritual aspects of salvation, but it truly is spiritual. In fact, we need a spirit to be in the kingdom of God. Like Jesus said, we had to be born again, born of the water and born of the spirit. The water is the baptism of repentance by John the Baptist who started that. And the spirit is the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives to people. That's what raised Jesus from the dead, the spirit that God gave him that raised him from the dead. So it's so important to grasp this. And the more we read scripture, the more apparent this becomes and the clearer we can see this, but it's so important. Anyway, that wraps up chapters six and seven from the book of Acts.